Mighty is our God. You believe it? Why are you here today? What's the reason you come to church today? Check off? Uh, check it off. As I tell all the people at work, I went to church. Are you here to worship your God? And get to know Him and understand Him better in your own life, in your own heart of hearts. So that your life can become all that God wants it to be and you can become conformed into the image of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's church. Um, I'm a little nervous because I've got my dearest, dearest friend. Apart from my wife and my family, the person that most impacted me in my life is here today. So I'm a little nervous. And, uh, um, and his dear family and friends. And so um, I'm very thankful that they're here to be with us. Um, we're in First Peter, the fifth chapter. You well know that if you've been with us. And we've been taking a look at the very closing end of this great book. As God would do, He is allowing us to kind of close out this, uh, this message, uh, this series in First Peter with my leaving, which is, uh, yikes. We can't even talk about that yet. But um, it's really an interesting place in Scripture to end up. As you well know, Peter has been explaining to the Jews who were in Rome and been dispersed across uh, most of the, the area, that were going through difficulties, he was telling them to keep faith, keep their hope, keep up their hope. And here at the very end of this great, great, great book, he closes down with the last ten verses. Between verse 5 and verse 14, he reminds us of the ten character traits that will build you and me should we heed them into the man, the woman, the young person of God that He has called you and me to become. Attitudes that will solidify who you and I are in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And they are, as we studied last week, the first two is be submissive and have humility. Remember He said that that we are to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God so that He might exalt us, not us exalting ourselves, but that He might exalt us at that perfect proper time. That time that He has for you and you and me and our lives to make us into the person He is molding us to be as we move along this journey called life, getting to know our God, our Creator. So, we saw last week that we are to be submissive and we are to be humble. But also, there are eight other traits. We're going to see two more today. Trust and self-control. The others are, as we're going to see and we'll read in a moment, being alert, standing firm in your faith, having hope, worship, faithfulness, and last but not least. And if we can end... uh, the last week I'm here on this, and then well done. Last but not least is love, that we have love for one another. Read with me, please, in First Peter chapter 5, verses... Uh, actually, let's, let's, let's pull in verse 4 and read to the end of the chapter. Peter writes, And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. You younger men, he says, likewise, be subject to your elders. All of you, clothe yourself with humility towards one another. 
God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Verse 6, Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you at the proper time. Cast all your anxieties upon Him, because He cares for you. Be sober of spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour, but resist him firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. And after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace who called you into His eternal glory in Christ will Himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To Him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. Through Salvanus, our faithful brother, for so I regard him, Peter says, I have written to you briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. She who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends you greetings, and so does my son Mark. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace be to you all who are in Christ. Great, great ending to a great, great book. I, I, I know you'd agree. What we're going to look is at these character traits. We're going to break them down so that we understand what is it that God wants you and me to be like? What is He expecting of us? What does He want from you out of life? There's a, there is a purpose in your life. We've, we've preached that hundreds of times. I, I say to the person who understands and knows their purpose, they've got a leg up on everything. When you know what God has called you to do and you know where God is calling you, then you, you can make a move and move it with confidence. And so we are to have these attitudes that will checkmate us at every turn to be submissive, to be humble, to be trustworthy and self-control and the rest that we will study in the weeks to come. Let's, let's uh, have a word of prayer. Father, please, uh, we come before you... Uh, with a thankful heart. We come with a thankful heart because we come to the very one who hears our prayers and who can and can move us, Father, and help us to become conformed into the image of Your Son whom You've given so that we might have everlasting life. Lord, I pray that You would open up our eyes so that we might behold wonderful things that come from Your law. And would You move me aside, Father, so that I do not interfere with what you want to say to each of us here. Each of us here is a purpose. There's something that we've come here for. There's something today of why we're here. Father, would you please, please move in that heart as only you can. I have no idea all the needs of this room. And so, Father, I ask that you would do that for us. In the meantime, Father, we'll be faithful to teach your word the best we know how. Be able to be faithful to present, Father, the gospel as best we know how, so as not to cheat you or anyone else out of the experience of knowing you, Father. We pray that you will bless us. In Jesus' precious name, amen. For those of you that were here last week, you might remember, we are told by Peter that we are to submit to one another. We are to humble ourselves. Now, in verses 7 and 8, as we're going to take a look at today, He's going to move us into the arena of trust and of self-control. Verses 7 and 8. 
Remember, I said this last week, I believe it with all of my heart, without submission, there will be chaos. We must submit, whether it be in the family, husbands and wives submitting to one another, whether it be in a a business, whether it be in a church, whatever. Without submission, there's chaos. Well, today, without trust, there's absolutely no foundation that we can build upon. We need to build a true, loving relationship. And that comes when we trust one another. I can remember vividly, my wife and I, we'd get together with the kids. She'd get us three kids in the room and she'd teach us the Bible. I'd sit down alongside of John, Mark, and Cassie. And I can remember us saying to our kids so often that we'll handle every single problem that comes our way except for one. The one thing that we cannot handle is if we choose to lie to one another. Lying would break down all trust between us. And so Peter assures you and me in verse 7 that you can cast all of your anxieties upon Him because He cares for you. You can trust in the Lord. The Bible is built to build this trust to to someone who comes and open-mindedly looks at the Bible, looks at what the Lord says, and has no agenda, and listens to what He says, you can ultimately find that you can trust Him in every area. And over and over again, we are told in Scripture that we are to trust our Lord. I want you to see one place in particular. It is really, actually, it is in Psalms 55. Would you turn with me, hold your place here, and turn back into the middle of your Old Testament, book of Psalms, 55th chapter. The 22 verse is a verse that is connected from David, King David, who wrote the Psalms, the 55th Psalm, and Peter. They've connected Verse 22 connects with 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7. Listen to what David says. Cast your burdens upon the Lord. We're in verse 22 of Psalm 55, right? Cast your burdens upon the Lord and He will sustain you. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken. This verse is an amazing verse because this verse comes from the result of an attack upon the life of David. But it came from, of all people, one of his dearest friends. Look back, Psalm 55, look at verses 12, 13, and 14. This is why I love studying the Bible. You get to see what is it that David is saying. Why does he say that we can, as he says here, we can, uh, um, 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 we can cast our burdens upon our Lord. He'll sustain you, he says. He won't allow you to be shaken, he says. Well, David is writing that because of what happened. Look at verse 12. He says, it is not an enemy who reproaches me. Then he says, I could bear it. Nor, he says, is it one who hates me, who has exalted himself against me. Then I could hide myself from him. But it is you, he says. It is you, a man of my equal." my companion, my familiar friend. We who had sweet fellowship together, David says. We walked in the house of God. In other words, we worshiped God Almighty together in the throngs, he says. In other words, we've done that not in quiet. We didn't do that in private. We did that amongst all the people. 
It is you, he says, who is betraying me. My companion. My friend. Have you ever had that experience? Someone close to you has hurt you? I personally know of no greater hurt than being purposely hurt by a friend, a companion, a familiar friend. Peter, in 1 Peter chapter 5, drew his strength from David in Psalms 55. They connect. Peter is saying, if we cannot trust our friends, then who in the world can we trust? And he answers it. Back, please, to 1 Peter chapter 5. He answers it. He says in verse 7 that our Father who is in heaven is the one who cares for you. You can trust in Him, Peter says. And our example, like everything else, is through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you remember back when we studied in the second chapter, turn to the second chapter of 1 Peter for just a moment. Look at verse 23. Remember, Peter said this of Jesus Christ. While being reviled, before they took Him to the cross, while being reviled, Peter wrote, Jesus did not revile in return. While suffering, Peter wrote, He uttered, Jesus did, no threats. But what did He do? Note, the end of verse 23. He kept entrusting Himself to Him, God the Father, who judges righteously. In 1 Peter, the fourth chapter, turn a couple of pages to the right, chapter 4, look at verse 19. We are also reminded by Peter, therefore, those who suffer according to the will of God shall, what? Entrust their souls to a faithful Creator in doing what is right. Over and over and over and over again, Scripture reminds us by God's most magnificent, glorious word that we can trust our God. And so he says to us in verse 7, cast all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. There may be some who will betray you, but it will never be the, the Lord God Almighty because He honestly, ultimately cares for you. I asked them to put a, a, a verse on the screen. I asked them to put First Peter, chapter of where, no Psalms, nine ten. I asked them to put that on the screen so that you could kind of mull it over in your heart a little bit. It says, "And those who know your name, David is writing this, by the way. Those who know your name will put their trust in you. For you, O Lord." have not forsaken those who seek you. I want you to look at that for a moment. I want you to think about that particular verse. Don't miss David's message. It's clear. He says God will care for those who know His name. In other words, who know Him. Who know Him. And also who seek after Him, he says, and put their trust in Him, he says. They shall not be forsaken By our Lord, he says. There's more. 
In Psalms, David again writes the 13th chapter, the 5th verse. You don't need to turn there. I'm going to go through it quickly. David says, I have trusted in your loving kindness, O Lord. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. David says in Psalms 37, 5, Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in Him, and He will do it. Solomon says in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, two famous verses, Trust in the Lord, Solomon says, with all of your heart, Solomon says. Don't lean on your own understanding, he says. In all of your ways, acknowledge Him, he says, and He will make your path straight. And the last one that I chose, and I could have chosen myriads of verses upon trust, Isaiah in the Old Testament says, Trust in the Lord forever. For, the, for in God the Lord we have an everlasting rock. That could have been our, our verse for this church. Trust in the Lord forever. For in God the Lord we have an everlasting rock, the Rock Community Church. God truly does care for those who know Him, who seek after Him, and who trust in Him. I wrote this before knowing that my best friend in life, Bill, would be here. I wrote these words. I, I said, my best friend Bill taught me this a long time ago in college. He taught me that true friendship is always a two-way street. Both, both have to participate to make it work. Well, that's not far from what the Bible teaches us, to be honest with you. It's much the same between you and God Almighty. Wonderfully, He first reached out to you and expects you in return to trust Him for who He is, to seek after Him, and to trust Him with all of your heart. Look at Romans. I, I, you've really got to look at these verses. It, it's back to the left a little bit. We were in Romans last, if you remember. It's just back a little bit, big past Hebrews and, and First, Second Timothy and First, Second Corinthians, Romans chapter five. Absolutely famous place in Scripture. Paul writes. He says in verse six of Romans chapter five. While we were still helpless, in other words, we were in our sin. We were sinful people. We were helpless. At the right time, Paul wrote, Jesus Christ died for the ungodly. That's us. That's for any of us here that have never come to Christ, never trusted in Him. Paul says, He died for you and for me, the ungodly. He says in verse 7, For one would hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for a good man someone would dare to die. But, Paul writes, God demonstrates His own love towards you and me in that while we were yet sinners, Jesus Christ died for us. As Jesus says Himself in Matthew 11, the 28th verse, Come to Me, all of you who are weary. Come to me, all of you who are heavy laden, and I will give you what? What? Rest. You can trust in Him. You can trust in Him with all of your heart. Bring your burdens to Him. He will save you. He will give you rest. Then, 
as a believer, come to Him and He will meet you and help you in all of your circumstances. Here's what Paul told the Philippian church. He wrote these words in Philippians 4, 6. He said, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. You see, you can trust in Him. He cares for you. Dr. McGee in his commentary wrote these words, Take your cares to the Lord in prayer and leave them there. Trust in Him. You don't need to pick them up again. So we are to trust in the Lord. And He, in return, trusts in us. Died on the cross for us. But trust isn't just enough. No, in verse 8, Peter says, you also have to be on the alert. It says in verse 8, 1 Peter chapter 5, be of sober spirit. Be on the alert, Peter says. Because your adversary, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion, seeking someone, seeking somebody to devour. I don't expect you to remember this. When we were in 1 Peter chapter 1, but turn back there for a moment, please. In chapter 1 of 1 Peter, verse 13, 14, and 15, Peter said these words about being of sober spirit. He says, therefore, verse 13, Prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, don't be conformed to the former lust. In other words, the way you used to live, which were yours in ignorance. But like the Holy One, he says in verse 15, who called you, be holy yourself in all your behavior. Peter then, in chapter 1, and here in chapter 5 and verse 8, commands you and me to be of sober spirit. Now, sober means probably exactly what you think it means in the Greek. It means to not become intoxicated. It means to not lose control of your thoughts nor your actions. We are taught in Scripture not to lose spiritual control because of the world's sinful ways. There's the world out there that is drawing us to it. God says resist them. Be of sober spirit. Don't lose control of your thoughts nor your actions. We are to keep a spiritual steadfast to ourselves. We are to be in self-control of ourselves. We are to have a clarity of mind, a discipline of our hearts, not to be subject to controlling, corruptive influences of the world. Basically, Jesus Christ said it best. I mean, of course He did. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 26, He says these words, which are amazing words. He says, What will it profit you? What is it going to profit you, He says, if you gain the whole world and yet forfeit your soul? He asks a penetrating question, What will you give in exchange for your soul? Think about it. Don't sell yourself short. Don't let Satan deceive you through the world and its stuff out there. Because ultimately, as verse 8 tells us clearly, be a sober spirit because ultimately Satan 
wishes to devour you or me. How does he do that? Well, there's a number of ways. I can think vividly. I told you this story before. Um, when I was doing ministry with the Rams, Ray Malavese was the coach that particular year. The Rams were here in Anaheim, the Los Angeles Rams. And, and Mr. Malavese used to ask me, please come on the road trips with us. We want to have chapel on the road. We want you to do chapel for us. Come on the road with us and we'll do chapel. And I said, Ray, I said, I can't. I, I pastor a church. I, I can't take Sundays off. He says, well, he says, uh, in a few weeks we're going to Chicago. Monday night football game. Can you come to Chicago? I said, yeah, I'd love to do that. I would. The truth of the matter is I didn't want to fly to Chicago, but I wanted to be with Ray and the team. So I went. So I go there to Chicago, and I land, and we're all in the lobby, and I'm, I, don't, I don't know what the players are doing. They're doing what they do, and I'm standing in the lobby wondering, what in the world am I going to do now? And a bunch of the guys come to me and say, you want to have a, the best steak in town? And I said, yeah, I'm starving. Good. We started to go out the door. We said, we're going to take. We said, oh, you should know. It's a strip joint. I went, I can't go. I can't go there. It's the best steak in town, they told me. And we're going to be in another room. We'll put your back to the poles. You won't be able to see anything. <laughs> they told me this. And I said, guys, I can't go. And I said, the reason I can't go is because of my testimony. I says, I, I get it. I says, I don't begrudge you guys going there. I said, but I can't walk in that building. The moment I walk in that building, I, I say to the team that I, I justify that. And I can't. I can't lose my testimony just for a good stake. I can't. <laughs> I can't. I can't do that. And so I thanked them for asking me, and I, I, I probably ruined their night, and uh, I didn't go. There's a lot of things I don't do because of this church, because of you. I don't want to do certain things that will that'll, that'll, um, jeopardize my stance with what I believe in Jesus Christ. And so I thank God for you people. You, you helped keep me on the straight and narrow because I don't want to do anything that would disappoint this church. More importantly, I don't want to do anything that would disappoint you. More importantly, I don't want to do anything that would disappoint my dear wife or my family. And ultimately, most important, I don't want to do anything to offend my God. And so I, uh, I take care of where I go and what I do. I stay on the alert and I keep a sober spirit. And I would encourage you to do the same. You see, a true follower of Jesus Christ, someone that really wants to be a, a believer in Jesus Christ, finds any, that finds anything more attractive than fellowship with Him, Jesus Christ, better be careful. Now, that, does, that sound, does that sound harsh? Let me tell you, that's not harsh. Listen to faithful James. Listen to what James says in chapter 4 of his book, the fourth verse. This is strong words. Listen, James says, Do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility with God? He says, Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of this world makes himself an enemy with God. That's, that's cutting the line straight. And I thank God for James. I like it told to me straight and narrow. I want to hear what it is that I'm supposed to be like. What kind of a man am I to be? A Christian man. Kind of a husband. 
I thank you if, if a person, I say to you, if a person finds themselves yearning to be more in this world than to receive the joys of heaven, to come here and not be in church just so you can check it off. Oh, I went to church. But you're here to worship God and to make yourself a better person as you listen to the, the, the Word of the Lord being taught to you, that you can walk out of here and be a better person. That's the type of person that God wants you and me to be. Be careful. Be on the alert, people. Be of sober spirit. Satan's desiring to destroy, devour you. And he will. Quickly, suddenly, he'll do whatever it takes. And he'll do it without care for you or your loved ones. So Luke tells us, very clearly, be on guard. This is in Luke chapter 21, verse 34. Be on guard, Luke says, so that your hearts will not be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of this world. In other words, be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Because, Luke says, the day will come and take you suddenly like a trap. Be careful. Two of the greatest verses in Scripture. I don't have life verses. I've told you this before. this, This book here to me is absolutely everything. This There are verses in here that almost every day seem like a life verse to me. But the man that I buried a few years ago, Kenny Hutchison, Hutch, his life verse was Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. And when I did his funeral up in Seattle, written on the, what would that be? Just not a bulletin. That's too gross. You know, on his program, I guess. Thanks. You always help. Don't you dare leave sitting there. Written on the program was these verses. Clear. Paul writes in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, these words. Take them to to your heart. Paul writes, without hesitation, he says, Therefore, I urge you, brethren... By the mercies of God. I want you to stop for a second and think. Note what Paul does. Paul urges you. He doesn't command you. He doesn't say, I make you. He says, I urge you. I urge you to do this. In other words, you can make a choice. You can either do it or not. And so he says, I urge you, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God which is your spiritual service of worship. The next verse says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, be of sober spirit and be on the alert so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good, that which is acceptable, that which is perfect. That's the life that our Lord asks for you and me to live. He says to you and to me, we can trust Him. He says He has trusted you with His life. 
in that while you and I were yet sinners, He chose to die for us. And so He says, I have trusted you with my Son, the Father says. He asks for you and me in return to trust in Him, to seek Him with all of our hearts, to become the people that God's called us to be. And so He says to us, trust Him and be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Just because He trusts in you and you in Him doesn't mean that you are not to be of sober spirit and alert because the devil is seeking somebody to devour. I don't want it to be you. I finished early. I finished early kind of on, re- on purpose. Um, I only have about four more weeks here. Um, the reason I'm, I'm doing this today, and I'll probably do it a few more times before I leave, is because I still have my wits about me. I'm still able to say to you that I love you with all my heart and that I will miss you more than life itself. Because on the last day that I do that, I'm, I'm going to be nothing but a ball of snot. You know, I'm just, just, just going <laughs> to miss you so much. Uh, you know, you don't want to see that, and I don't want that to happen. I don't know how that I'm going to do that day, but we'll see how that happens. But what I wanted to do is take the time right now to tell you thank you. I want to thank every single one of you for all that you've mean to me. You have helped mold me into the man that I am today. You have forced me by the grace of God into my Bible because what I'm going to teach next week, I don't know yet. I have to go home and study for next week. And because of that, I become, I think, a better husband. Because of that, I think I become a better man. And I want to thank you, every single one of you, for what you've been, what you mean to me and what you will always mean to me. I will never, ever, 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 ever be able to repay you for what has taken place here in these four walls in this church. You guys love on Mark. He's the right guy for the right time. I want to come back as I'm going to come back from time to time and, and see all of you here and see all of you just loving Mark and saying, oh no, not PJ, I want Mark, which will make me a very happy man. I want you to love on him. I want to close in prayer and then we can have a prayer team up front here. If anybody needs prayer at all, we'd love to pray for you for whatever it is you might need. Johnny, I've been praying for you all week, my brother. All week. I love you. Pray that God touched your heart. Lord, we want to thank you for this uh, time. Father, we are a privileged people to be able to study the Word of God the way it comes out we don't need to adjust it or make it fit to today's times or what's happening in our world today. Father, you've taken care of all of that. You just teach us how to become more and more and more like your Son, Jesus Christ. That we would be conformed into his image and be well pleasing with you. Lord, thank you for this place, this church, this building. The dear people that come here week in and week out. God bless them, please. And uh, I thank you for the privilege of being a part of this. In Jesus' precious name, amen.
I love you all with all my heart. God bless you. Have a great day. See you next week.